0: Azeroth, the world in which most of the stories of World of Warcraft take place. A fictional land where the Alliance and the Horde are in constant strife. They battle night and day for the grandest and pettiest reasons at the same time. As a lowly newbie on this game, I wriggled my way around the controls and the fascinating lore surrounding the game. Living up to my gay self, the first ever Warcraft character I've ever created was a paladin, or should I say gay lidden? How well did I play as a paladin you might ask? Not great. I couldn't protect my teammates, one of whom used to be Mike, my boyfriend. Random players who teamed up with us were so unhappy and of course, I took it very personally. So I ended up putting my gay lidden character in stasis. I parted ways with Mike's Druid character named Omega and made a new character on a new server, still very gay, a fire mage named Biru. Okay, I don't think I can keep up with the cringy narrator voice. So on this new server, I joined a guild which was literally created 10 years ago by a now 27 year old guy, the guild master. His in-game name was Bowwolf, and this guild was called Eternal Honor. I joined this guild with overflowing cringe in my mind and the few months I spent with these lost souls were grueling, but nonetheless great. We went on guild-wide raids, progressing through the lore together, and just generally talking about life in between quests on discord. During one of the raids, one of the guild members told me that some of the things that I did in-game are so gay. So I just told him straight up in front of everybody, actually, I am gay. So what's gay again? And everybody scrambled, going oh, oh, oh. So after this raid, Bowwolf eventually chimed in because he didn't say anything at the moment, opening up to me and telling me how he's pansexual, wishing that he could have stood up to his peers when this hiccup happened. Ever since then, I talked to Bowwolf or Bao for short, daily. Ran dungeons together, up until a point where he wanted me to become one of his guild officers. Things were good, but not for long. Bao lives nearby, in the Netherlands. So of course, I would love to visit him, but there were a couple things hindering me. Before I embark on a journey to meet a stranger, I at least wanted to see what he looked like first. Did I not mention it? Yeah, I was crushing on a stranger whose face I'd never seen before. It was as if I was 13 all over again. Back to the saga, my guildmaster and I got pretty comfy, often sexting, talking about the things we would do to each other after we game, all the while calling each other by our in-game names. But still, I really wanted to see what he looked like. The best I got back then was listening to his voice because he would be on discord with me for hours sometimes. Eventually, I reached my breaking point and I realized that perhaps the reason why I stayed in that guild for such a long time was because I was chasing after a person who's so unwilling to share things about himself. Upon this realization, I quit the guild rather abruptly. A few weeks after my departure, I went on Discord and saw that Bao had put up a picture of himself and changed his profile name to his real name now, which, unironically, was Andrew. This episode, The Shallow and Deep Layers of Games. Hi, Edgelings. This is Andy or Andrew and you're listening to edgy, but like, make it gay. A rather cringy podcast where I talk about my edgy, gay takes on things, either by myself or with friends. I've never been a big fan of massively multiplayer online roleplay- massively massively multiplayer online roleplaying games, or MMORPGs for short. That was until my boyfriend, Mike, introduced me to the World of Warcraft. I was immediately hooked to a point of addiction as Mike rekindled his old love towards this game. We dedicated a couple of hours a day just to play World of Warcraft, up until a point that we got sick of it. As I've mentioned earlier, I only eventually stopped playing this game after A, I could not cope with the highly competitive nature of the game and B, I had a falling out with my guildmaster whom I had a crush on. This was over half a year ago so naturally before i start forgetting about this gaming chapter of my life i would like to reminisce about this little slice of gaming life with somebody who's way more familiar with gaming in general so i talked to this guy online and we've never met in person before i have however watched his audition tape to be the Italian voice of the World of Warcraft character Illidan Stormrage and I thought that was so attractive. Hello Damiano, whilst life? whilst life? <laughs> <laughs>
1: As you were talking I had the, the images of that video coming back to my memory and uh, I'm still mm-hmm. very fond of it. I cannot feel embarrassed even though it's of course extremely embarrassing. I'm very good Andy, how are you?
0: Uh, I'm really good too as a like a pre-game to record this episode. I actually watched your video. and I was like okay this is him. You look very good still. Let's just thank goodness. (laughs) My
1: god it's been it's been 10 years actually you know from the video. Yeah I know yeah. And uh, wasn't it like 2012? Yeah 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 that was I I recorded that video um, because it was meant as a video curriculum for for Blizzard of course at the time and uh, that video came about in literally an afternoon. It was Something that happened in a, in a spur of a moment with a friend of mine, and that's what mm-hmm. came out. per dieci um, Because at the time I was also studying dubbing, right? So I think I was trying yeah. to piece the pieces together. Is that how you say that? Stick mm-hmm. the pieces together. Probably. The pieces together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's how it happened.
0: Yeah. This is actually, I think, like the second time that uh, we've properly talked to each other, looking at each other. True. Because like uh, previously, I've always recorded with like my camera off. So this is I, this I feel is a lot better, right, for my mental health. Like it's it's very nice to
1: see the person and not just like yeah. And it mm-hmm. gives you a lot of cues as well, right? Because then you can see if somebody's yeah, starting finishing about to say something. It's it's I think it's really good. Mm-hmm. Plus, I mean, you know, it gives us this unwanted or maybe wanted eye contact that you know we can enjoy. <laughs>
0: Oh my God, can I just <laughs> narrate for the people? The way that he looked at me just now was like the slimiest, but so. <laughs> Not complaining, but. Okay, so today's episode is mostly gonna be about online gaming. To preface this entire episode, the title is gonna be Crushing on My Warcraft Guild Master. Mm. Uh, Not sure if I've told you that story before, like I had a crush on him, almost went to the Netherlands to meet him, all the while not knowing what he looked like. So uh, I did not. And then I quit uh, Warcraft. But before my memory fades away about the game, uh, I just really wanted to talk about it. But then maybe since it's online gaming, blah, 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 I'm not really well versed about it. How about we start things off rather slowly? So Damiano, what kind of games do you like to play now?
1: Um, There are two main types. The main ones are, I call them the time fillers, or the relaxing game times, which now everybody's going to go like rolling their eyes and everything. It's actually League of Legends at the moment, or Overwatch. (laughs) Which you say, that's a weird time to relax, and I agree, Mm -hmm. but hear me out. The feature list for something to me relaxing after work mm-hmm. has to be easy to pick up and easy to just play fundamentally. This is, I would say, at the moment the bulk of my gaming because you know it, it what fits into my work schedule the most. Mm-hmm. And then I have the the exact polar opposite to this, which is the the story dream, the intense gaming moments, mm-hmm. right? The The Last of Us, Horizon Zero Dawns, and these are very honestly very rare for me personally to find a game that really captivates me in that way. Uh, but mm-hmm. when it happens, those are the really intense moments. But I say, at the moment, mm-hmm. shamefully, raising my hands, I'm playing mm-hmm. mostly League of Legends. <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> How many hours would you say
1: you've accrued playing League of Legends? I'm, like, there should be a timestamp somewhere, right? I don't even know if I'm honest with you. I'm, so, this is another very good thing to preface. I'm not a competitive gamer whatsoever. I'm actually the antithesis okay. of a competitive game. I, I really need just something to keep me... Busy, but in a sort of uh, uh, entertaining way. Mm -hmm. I would say probably at the moment I play an hour and a half, two hours per day. You know, usually after work, to chill out after dinner. Just kind of like this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, This is what not having a Netflix subscription does to you kids, by the way. You know, so
0: don't have a Netflix subscription? I don't
1: have anything. This is why I need to find stuff to do.
0: You're probably one of the first um, people that I know who doesn't have a Netflix subscription, but good for you. What are you playing, Andy? Um, I mean, right now I'm playing Pokemon because the new one just came out and I'm still very much uh, into it. I think it allows me also to talk to my brother a lot more because we both play, but not so much MMORPGs anymore.
1: So Pokemon, is is that the same as Pokemon Go in the past where you walk around and you capture Pokemon or is it a different Mm. version of that?
0: Let me just ask you one question first. Did
1: you play Pokemon when you were growing up? No. (laughs) No? But I... I did watch the anime, but my parents... So, this is a sad part of the story. Uh, mm-hmm. I've never ever had a console until about uh, five years ago. I feel ago. you. Yeah, because my I parents did... were very much agree uh, against gaming in general,
0: and uh, mm. they
1: felt I should never ever do that.
0: But coming back into childhood, what was the first ever game that you remember mm. playing ever?
1: The, the, the first gaming memories that I have, right, mm-hmm. are actually not playing, but are watching my uncle playing... Okay. Tomb Raider 2, Little Big Adventure, and Mortal Kombat. My uncle is just 10 years older than me, so we grew up together almost like brothers, really. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I was way too young to have a computer, a console. I couldn't, of course. And I do remember sitting next to him for hours just watching him play. And uh, there was a point where I I was learning to read in elementary school, so I was probably like seven or eight years old. He was Mm -hmm. playing Tomb Raider 2, and he bought those magazines, you know, with the solutions of the game. They told you where to go, where to jump, what Ah, to do. And my job was basically to read the solutions to him (laughs) as he went through the game. I was literally the cheat code, you know, the the Mm. walking cheat code for him.
0: Damiano and I got lost talking about our gaming preferences, which could not be more different. Lightning round here. He likes playing real-time strategy games like Age of Empires, and I don't. I like to play farming simulator games like Stardew Valley or Harvest Moon, and he does not. Damiano loves, and I mean loves, Warcraft 3, also a strategy game. While well, I preferred the later MMORPG rendition of The World of Warcraft. He also liked Final Fantasy XV with the handsome protagonist Noctis, and I've never even touched that game. Who can blame me? Even Damiano thought that game was pretty rubbish. It became obvious at some point that my taste in game was pretty one-note, and Damiano was miles ahead when it comes to the number of games that one can play in a lifetime. But he was nice enough to use Pokemon as a first case study to discuss about why playing games tends to feel so good? I just like Pokemon. Pokemon is so good. I know that it's animal abuse, but Pokemon is just so
1: good. <laughs> and cute. But it's monstrous abuse technically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah technically, yeah. Do you find mm-hmm. yourself still being into the lore of because this is one of the things I always yeah, yeah, find definitely. fascinating mm-hmm. with the Pokemon communities that disclaimer, I do really like Pokemon. Uh-huh. But for me was I didn't play the game, so I watched the animes while yeah. they were out. Mm-hmm. Really enjoy them. But there is a point in the games where doesn't it become just collecting more and more and more Pokemon that just have even more Mm -hmm. complex declination of skill sets and magic things? But the core mechanics is always the same, isn't it?
0: That's completely true, but a lot of the people that I know who play Pokemon don't aim to catch everything. We just catch whatever it is that we like based on the powers, the aesthetics, and the...
1: So if I ask you, the because I'm really fascinated by this, actually. You, new version of Pokemon, you just buy that, you pop it into your console of choice. What is the trigger that makes you play the game? What is the first thing that comes to your mind that releases endorphins when you
0: do it? I think that it's very, very close to why I also play Warcraft. I really like things that are kind of like exclusive and they look uh-huh. good. So aside from aesthetic, there's also this thing in Pokémon. You don't really have to know a lot about this. Just there's these things called shiny Pokémon and the chances to get these shiny exclusive Pokémon, they're really really low. So uh-huh. when you get them, it's this like sense of reward, you know? Like this is yeah. what I really really like about gaming, the sense of reward. So it's the same like in Warcraft when you get like gear And, like, you get to transmogrify your Mm -hmm. gear to look a certain way. And then you combine it. So, like, I think I've spent, like, I think hundreds of thousands of gold trying to find the perfect look for my character, for example, in Warcraft. I've bought, like, WoW tokens. And it was... I I spent way too much money (laughs) on Warcraft.
1: (laughs) Actual money. Well, I mean, you had to pay for the subscription. Okay, Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. That is fascinating to me, see, because I I do find in gaming in general, right? Mm-hmm. Gaming has always been amazing. Gaming is an, has always been about finding this trigger, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. What, what brings you forward? Because for example, you know when I, when I look at the strategy games, the thing that I really loved in those games was to find the best way to create this curve of efficiency. So how many minerals do I need to get this first building done so that I have this next thing out by the fifth minute mark so then I can do this thing and then I can do that thing? And again, I'm not a competitive player, so it's not about going and, you know, becoming the first in the leaderboard. Mm-hmm. It, it was this sense of kind of inner project management,
0: <laughs> if you want. <laughs> yeah,
1: self-fulfilling prophecy, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and the pleasure that I, I got from doing those things was huge. Then there is the aspect, and I think for me it was really Warcraft 3, where I got the, let's call it aesthetic, but I would call it really the immersion. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, mm-hmm. this is another thing that I think is important in gaming, is does it make you feel immersed? Like a yeah. good book, right? Warcraft 3, sorry, was the first one. That is the first one that could really achieve that sense of complete immersion. And I, I loved it, I, to the point where I didn't care about the strategy anymore, it was about the story. The story was the only thing that mattered. Mm-hmm.
0: I think, yeah, uh, I, like, I completely agree. With regards to the immersion aspect of it, one of the reasons why I really, really, really liked Warcraft was the lore. Like, this character wanted to kill this character, and then this got married, and then... Oh, it's so good and all the soap
1: opera an elvish soap opera (laughs) yeah
0: definitely and it's so good and I uh, and I fell in love with it like I mean of course I had Mike to thank uh because he basically brought me back into the game he was a very very big fan of Warcraft when he was growing up and then he got really addicted to it he stopped playing it he found me and then I asked what game should we play and he was like what about Warcraft and we played (laughs) like one to two hours a day and it was really really good I felt very close to him. it brought me
1: together isn't that lovely when you can actually share the the passion because and that's probably one of the magic of world of warcraft specifically i think is mm-hmm. how it allowed people to actually play together at the same time yep. on yep. the same because you can co-op play real-time strategy games if you want to mm-hmm. but it's not quite the same world of warcraft was really like being there with other people yes and i think you were mentioning before I th- mm-hmm. is this a good time to talk about how did you get that crush on the guild oh Master? yeah
0: well, like sure, I can elaborate on it. Well, at first I was playing a tank. I was playing a paladin. Mm-hmm. I was very gay. Like, yeah, you know, like, oh my god, sword, holy. Well, you're a blood
1: elf at least. Otherwise, you were not a gay at all. So. What do you think? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> of course, I was a blood elf. I was a blood elf I'm with so like, white you. hair. I then reiterated the story of how I joined this guild, got virtually hot and heavy. With not just the guild master, but also with a couple of other boys from that guild too. Because apparently, even World of Warcraft is another dating app for me. Damiano also asked me if I roleplayed as some of the in-game characters when I was sexting the people that I met on Warcraft. And I would be lying if I said no. The idea of a long-eared elf getting pinned down by a humongous humanoid bull is quite hot. After a while, Damiano told me how he only started playing World of Warcraft after he got the free subscription when he was working for Blizzard, the company that birthed Warcraft, how he was a game master, and how being a game master meant that they could do pretty menial yet meaningful things, like blessing people's in-game marriages, which I thought was so cute. That brought me back to a simpler time when I went on virtual dates in the game, flying through Azeroth with Omega, Mike's Druid character, or traversing around the Shadowlands with my then newly found guildmates. World of Warcraft brings me this sense of nostalgia, perhaps much like how Warcraft 3 makes Damiano feel, evident by how his eyes always light up whenever he says Warcraft 3. Crafted in the same universe, these two games share an expansive lore with iconic characters, and I just had to talk about them a bit. I do get a bit like, passionate talking about these. You get you get so passionate, like <laughs> people won't believe this, but like your eyes literally like fire up, and <laughs> it's very cute, it's very charming. Thank but you. yeah, going into more like lore-related stuff. But like, who's your favorite character of Warcraft? <sighs>
1: I don't want to say. I've always had this soft spot for elves in general. Okay. And um, my favorite thing to do in Warcraft 3 was playing the Night Elves. And one oh. of the heroes was, of course, Tyrande the Whisperwind. Mm-hmm. And her ultimate was Moonfall. Starfall, sorry. Mm. Yeah. So at level mm-hmm. 6, she learns Starfall. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you would take her in the middle of a battle, cast Starfall, and everything around you would die. Mm. So, and it was this beautiful, mm. you know... Shower of meteors from the sky while you were riding a white tiger. Yes, please. So, Tyrande has always been my absolute favorite character in the mm. Warcraft universe. She's going a bit of a strange way now, right? Because she's from oh, yeah, the the night, the night warrior, uh, warrior right? The mm-hmm. wrath of the moon and all this stuff. But you know, she's a badass. Has I she, like her. Has she much. always been like Mother Moon? Mm-hmm. I need to bring you know, bring light to the moon. Well, let's go to the. <laughs> To the edge of the forest and I'm not sure now because I used to play in Italian when I was playing Walker Mm -hmm. 3 She had this very sage voice, but very very Mm -hmm. ancient voice, right? Mm -hmm. Very calm now. She sounds very pissed (laughs) all the time.
0: (laughs) Yes, that's true But yeah as a contrast to your favorite character my favorite character because I'm such a simp But Mm. I'm a humongous Sylvanas fan. How can you not right at this stage?
1: What do you really like about her? What what makes it click for you?
0: Uh, I think that how it really clicked for me was really when the expansion battle for Azeroth came out and there was the cinematic trailer. And oh this was, of course, oh, it was beautiful. I think it was oh, oh my so, God. Yeah. And like uh, Sylvanas was just leading the Horde because she was just appointed as the leader of the Horde. And uh, she was just, like, looking at her people being mauled over by the Alliance troops. And then she went into the battlefield herself. And then she shot people. And then she turned into her banshee form. And then she possessed people. And then she was just screaming, for the horde! Oh, it was so good. Yeah, I fell in love with her then. Um, But yeah, her, her story
1: is not the best right now. I know that it sounds like a, I sound like a broken record, but Warcraft 3, right? The, the beauty of these games is that you have to play every single civilization. And the the genius, I think, on how Blizzard was able to set up the world is that they let you play the storyline from different points mm. of views. And so there is a moment where like you literally play Arthas as he gets consumed by Frostmourne and becomes the Lich King. And you yourself, when you play Arthas, kill Sylvanas and mm-hmm. resuscitate her. But just the missions before, you were playing as Sylvanas, hunting mm. Illidan because he escapes the prison. And so you have so many points of connection with the characters where you have to walk into their shoes for such a long time. And yeah. you know, when you play, your brain does a magical thing, which is it accepts automatically what happens because Mm -hmm. you have a goal in mind and if the goal is kill all the animal units, so be it. I'm gonna go and (laughs) use all my dirtiest tricks to do it. Uh
0: (laughs) After the break, the ugly and the beautiful when talking about games. I think that it's pretty well established that games generally bring players a sense of joy and satisfaction, but often overlooked are the things that lie beneath this pretty bed of flowers. Damiano and I decided to talk about these things starting from the gaming industry adopting a rather bro culture, often at the expense of female employees. Activision Blizzard, as the company yeah there's like a lot of lawsuits from all the working environment being yeah sexist being problematic in general what do you think about that right so disclaimer i
1: have never i've only ever worked for blizzard in ireland i've never been to the irvine office i never seen yeah. mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so it doesn't surprise me let's put mm-hmm. it this way but not because blizzard is intrinsically evil or worse yeah. than other companies because i mean we've seen these ea games come on like yeah. you know There is plenty of bad examples out there, but I think what really happens is that what we need to understand is a bit the storyline of most of these companies, right? Mm -hmm. Founded in the 70s, in the 80s by the real nerds, you know, back Mm -hmm. then Mm -hmm. making games Mm -hmm. was not nearly as cool as it is today, right? You really had to be a nerd to want Mm -hmm. to do this. And I I can understand, right, the dominating culture there could have been particularly, you know male-driven and it could have been a bit of kind of this bro culture, Mm potentially, right? You know, the CEO of Blizzard has been there for, what, 20 plus years Mm -hmm. and he didn't do much, right? He was kind of lucky that apparently Activision Blizzard started to take control of Blizzard, ruining Mm -hmm. it, in my opinion, right? I'm very happy that this is coming up now, of course, right? We we Mm -hmm. have to start talking about this more and more. I'm not Mm -hmm. completely surprised. What I can tell you is that in my experience in Working there, I didn't notice that, but again, I was in Ireland and the mm. environment was very different because yeah, it was a super international offices. We had
0: I don't know how many nationalities in one place. I do have to say that I think the Blizzard thing is the biggest one, I don't think I see it for like other companies to this extent, you know, to riot, to, yeah, League of Legends. They had huge
1: backslash yeah? for this. Oh my god, like uh, the thing is. Riot is owned by Tencent, which is a Chinese company, right? Uh, So the things that you know, or let's put it this way, the the benchmark that they have or what they let people hear about that Mm -hmm. might be different, that's for sure. And I mean, Riot itself uh, was born out literally the side of Blizzard right? Mm -hmm. Literally. League of Legends is a mod of Warcraft 3 dialed up to 11. And I can tell you that, you know, in in Blizzard, for example, when I was there, there were a lot of female colleagues that Mm -hmm. that were there. It was not like a predominantly male Mm -hmm. culture, right? Um, And and there were a lot of very passionate video game players who were female. So there was no... I, I didn't feel that there was necessarily this huge disparity. Again, with the disclaimer that... I am a man, so, you know, I may have not seen what a female Mm colleague might have seen. Mm -hmm. But I'm very happy they're talking about this now because it's really about time
0: even more so than before, like a lot of girls are playing these games that were, you know, all the way back then for boys. And and I think that it's generally nice. And it would also be nice, in my opinion, if this kind of change, the safety, this like safe space that girls, women have playing the game can also be translated into like the working environment too.
1: A hundred percent. You know, it, when, when you were saying that, it kind of made me think, when when I play Overwatch, I mm-hmm. try to go into the voice chat as much as I yeah. can. Just because it's proven that being on voice chat tends to increase your win rate. Rarely I find girls. And sometimes when I find these girls, they tend to be very, very quiet because they are afraid mm-hmm. that when a, a girl speaks up in a team full of well, in a team chat full of mm-hmm. males, which sometimes are, you know, the teenagers that have nothing better to do. They make comment like, oh, you're a girl. Mm-hmm. I normally play Mercy when I play Overwatch, which is a female character, right? Mm-hmm. And people are like, oh, you're not a girl, you're a boy. I'm like, sure, <laughs> sure whatever. <laughs> and a support, you're a fan. And a support. Uh, but also, you know, I've gotten so many times the people writing in chat, oh, that's so gay. And regularly I go into voice chat, and I'm like, yes. The, exactly like you said, yeah. your point being, uh-huh. That I'm healing you very well, I guess. What mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? Mm. And that changes, right, the, the dynamic. Just the yeah, fact that definitely. you start talking about these things mm-hmm. and finding these female players and giving them, I suppose, just a friendly voice that says, "Hey, how are you?" Right. The mm-hmm. just a random but normal comment, a question, right, that you would do to. It changes the 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 narrative quite a lot. And as you say, it's creating the safe space. Yeah. And we we can create these safe spaces, and then.
0: We also talk briefly on the topic of addiction. Personally speaking, it's very easy for me to get addicted to games. For instance, in a short span of over two months playing Animal Crossing on the Nintendo Switch, I logged over 600 hours, which is an average of 8 hours a day. During my Warcraft days, I played around 5-6 to hours a day. I was an addict and some of the people that I played Warcraft with back then are still addicted to this game. There was no balance whatsoever, and it was pretty scary, especially when you know you have more important things to do. Another aspect that Damiano and I touched on was definitely the amount of money that people like me can spend on a game via these microtransactions, more often than not in phone games. With ever-growing technology and a better understanding of what makes the human minds tick, Damiano also made me consider if we're indeed playing with fire here.
1: But what happens that we also got into the iPhone game category, Farmville, Mm -hmm. TikTok, it's working more like a game than anything else, to be honest with you, right? Clash of Clans, they've become so good scientifically at dissecting what are exactly the triggers for Mm -hmm. what happens in your brain and building a game that is literally designed to trigger, to touch all of these points in your brain and make you feel good at certain moments until you start paying for it in one way or another, be this with your time or with actual money. The other thing is though, that the incentives from a marketing perspective, from a sales perspective are so big, it's so easy to win in this way. And we could say, oh, well, TikTok will never work. Well, it actually does. And it does really, really well, really well. Hearthstone, to go back to Blizzard, which was this card game, right? Like Magic the Gathering sort Mm -hmm, of thing, mm -hmm. or Yu-Gi-Oh. Everybody thought, oh, well, that's bullshit, right? (laughs) What's going to do with card games? And you need to pay to buy the packs, whatever. Mm -hmm, It's never mm going to happen. Hearthstone became the cash cow for Blizzard. It brought in more money than World of Warcraft did. With incentives, you know, it's just 99 cents per pack. It's Mm 3.99, whatever. People would spend millions of dollars on Hearthstone. And... I'm hesitant. I, I do literally have a podcast that runs video game through the lens of marketing because I do truly believe in the power of video game. If you think about it, like entertainment in the last, I don't know, 30, 40 years, television being the main one of them, then you have the cinema, then you have the comic books, music. Most of them are one directional. So you can only receive or you can make it, right? If you draw, if you play music or if you... Video games are getting to the point now where they are so good, the graphics become so incredibly good, the mechanics we can do are so incredibly realistic.
0: Damiano and I then pondered about how games are just unabashedly good nowadays, with a real possibility that virtual reality technology would allow us to reach another level of immersion in games. I think we both agreed that The more we expect, the more we notice the ceiling or this box that we're placed in while playing this exact game. You want to do more and more and you realize you're getting less and less. Even when I played Warcraft, I felt that it wasn't expansive enough and at the end of the day, I wasn't satisfied. This is perhaps subjective, but what makes a game great, really? Do great games need to look incredible? do we really think that those are the ones that stick around in our memories the most? I used to play, I don't know if you
1: can call it an MMO RPG, but definitely an RPG, but it was text-based. So it was literally a chat, (laughs) (laughs) but it was themed around the Lord of the Rings. This was in Italian, by the way, it was called La Quarta Era. And um, I played this for, I think, three or four years. Years. And literally, the whole thing is a website with a giant text box. Nothing else, no images, no nothing. And you had to do everything within, just in text. So if you walked somewhere, the way you were dressed, what would you do? How would you Mm -hmm. hit somebody? How would you cast Mm -hmm. a spell? You had to describe everything writing, right? And I remember because I became guild master Mm-hmm. in uh you know after a couple of years i was in a guild i ranked up and then i became the guild master and i had to take an exam to become the real the guild master and my okay. exam took four hours of texting with somebody oh, describing how i would pull the bowstring focus <clears throat> my attention on the target <laughs> release the arrow and strike with the power <sighs> of like i don't know a spell or whatever and the the amount of, I don't know, the, the amount of ingenuity that it takes to do something like this via text only, it really meant, I think you can only do it if you can really imagine, visualize yeah. Yeah. the world around you, right? mm mm-hmm. I'm not sure why I wanted to tell you this, but it's one of the, when I tell you, usually <laughs> Me neither, people, I actually
0: <laughs> don't know where this is going, keep going. It's not good at,
1: but it's just because it's a, it's a weird example, I think, of what games can be like. They don't have yeah. to be necessarily latest gen, 4K, super motion blurred mm. and whatever. Yeah. This was literally a chat box. That was the game. We made mm-hmm. the game, right? It doesn't take that much but it takes the fantasy it takes the creativity of the people that want to play the game and in the same way you can go into the most beautiful call of duty today and not take in anything yeah. of the game at all
0: it seems that i find myself taken back to beginnings when i'm reaching the peak of things as we play games what are we looking for exactly is it the high of the reward the sense of community the satisfaction of winning Or is it just the simplicity of putting a game to completion? When considering your first ever multiplayer game, you can boil this down to the games you played when you were just kids at school, can't you? You know when you were asking me before,
1: uh, what is the first game that I've ever played that I remember playing, right? If I was completely honest, the first game that I should tell you is when I was actually, when I was a kid, I used to play on the street with my cousins and the games were not virtual. Uh, We were playing hide-and-seek, we were playing, you know, uh, what is that, how do you call it, when you touch somebody? Tag. A tag, that's it, thank Mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. We were playing, pretending to be the Power Rangers or Sailor Mm -hmm. Moon or whatever, Mm -hmm. right? The thing is, we were building the fantasy world and there was literally zero hardware to support (laughs) us. It was (laughs) literally all in our heads. And uh, I have wonderful memories of that moment and I think a lot of the if there's a creativity that I have today of the fantasy that I have today comes from the fact that the first 12 years of my life were absolutely hardware-less. They were yeah. all in my mind. Did you play with your friends, actually, when you were a kid? Or did you already have uh, something virtual to I do? mean,
0: no, I th- I'm also not that much younger than you are. So, Ooh, of course, you. we... I am <laughs> I think we've been <gasps> through this so many oh, times. Oh, my God. You're 31, tw- 30?
1: i'm never gonna say this not on your podcast (laughs) i'm 27 oh my goodness i'm not a baby no you're not a baby no 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 a bit younger than me but yes (laughs) (laughs) indeed.
0: but yeah like i think that uh back home of course we played all these games i'm pretty sure this is true for a lot of people the first ever game that i have ever played in my life barring pokemon Mm -hmm. Ruby, that was when I was in like first, second grade, maybe. The first ever game that I played would probably be like rock, paper, scissors. Like all of these like hand games or like hide and seek. I wasn't really a big runner, so I didn't really like playing hide and seek, but most of the time it's just like all of these tiny coin games, like where you push the coin to beat another uh, person's coin. And it all, I mean, to a certain extent, if you want to draw parallels, these are the most multiplayer, real time, virtual, whatever game that you can ever have
1: but you know what I, I also do like to think right now if you log in Water of Warcraft there is a set of rules somebody established for you right yeah so yeah. these are the character options there are these 10 things you can choose from these are the raid options there are these 10 raids you can choose from yeah. nothing else and either you like it or you don't or play. you don't when, you know, we were playing, I remember we, we had this, you know, when when I was a kid, Power Rangers were a huge, right, in Italy. And I was a huge, I still am a huge fan of the Power Rangers. Red? Go, go, Power! I was usually the blue one. Oh, okay. Because, I don't know, I always found the, the idea of the, the guy with the glasses, you know, the smart one. I've always been oh, the yeah, Blue yeah, Ranger, yeah. I've always been Sailor Mercury, I've always been, you know, kind oh, of the... Yeah.
0: The smart, the, the smart one, pants. yeah, with, with the raven claw. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes. laughs> this is Andy or Andrew, and you're listening to Edgy, but like, make it gay. If you like this cringe fest of a podcast, then I probably like you too. Where did you find this podcast? Spotify? Apple Podcast? Eh, I guess wherever you get your podcast from. Music this episode is by Whataboy and Dream Heaven. New episode coming out in two weeks. Bye bye.